Today, we're walking through the familiar path of faith. And our passage today is extremely familiar, yet I pray and I have labored that I hope it will be fresh uh, anew for us today. <clears throat> the journey of faith, sometimes we call it a walk. We just read uh, the story of Zechariah. Not an easy journey for Zechariah to hear the news of a son to be born at his old age. He struggled with that. Sometimes that is where we're at in our walk of faith. We're struggling. Well, today, wherever you're at, I pray that God's word will speak clearly to you and to me. Stand with me, if you would. Open up your Bibles to the first gospel, Matthew's gospel, chapter one. I forgot to write down the page number in the paper pew Bible, but most of us will be reading from the screen. We'll begin at verse 18 of chapter one, and we will wrap up verse 25. Again, Matthew's gospel, verses 18 through 25. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Verse 24, when Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. May God be blessed in the reading of his word. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. May it return in glory to you. May it bear the fruit that you have purposed it to do in our hearts. If our ground is hard, Lord, turn it over. If we need fresh water, may your word be that on a parched land. Lord, if we are growing in our faith, may we be spurred on more and more by your word. Wherever we are at, Lord, I pray that you would do your work, Father, through your Son, for his glory, and by the power of your Spirit. We pray all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. Please be seated. Faith is a journey. Life doesn't always go the way we think it will. And have you ever gone back, if you're a little older, and looked back at your journal entries from a couple of decades ago, and it's a little embarrassing? <laughs> or it's, it's humbling? Wow, I forgot we went through that. I forgot about that bump in the road, that crisis. You don't have to live long to realize whatever you think your road is, however straight and, and figured out you've got it, uh, I think our Heavenly Father is chuckling kindly and mercifully not revealing to us what's in store. Because I think any of us who are old enough to have experienced trials and pain know, I'm glad I didn't know what was coming. Faith, again, 
is a journey. It has a beginning. It has a beginning. That's called conversion. That is when we see a Savior named Jesus and we recognize that we are sinners and that we need him to save us. That's the beginning of, of faith. But that's not the end. That's, that's the, the, the wedding, if you will. But there's the, the marriage that lasts maybe decades, maybe 50, 60 years until he takes us home. Well, today we're going to focus on faith and we're focusing on the story of Joseph and how we see faith in Joseph's life. So let's turn our attention again to Matthew chapter 1, starting where we started just a few minutes ago, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So first we learn that Jesus, I'm sorry, that Mary and Joseph are betrothed. Now betrothal is different than engagement. Engagement for you and I involves rings. Uh, it involves maybe asking dad's permission. Uh, it involves, you know, some other things. Betrothal is far more serious. Betrothal was a, a legal agreement. You and I in an engagement could, could break the engagement, give, give back the rings, cancel the, the church, the events, walk away. But betrothal in the Old Testament and here in the New, of course, it is illegal, it's binding. It's a big, big deal. Mary and Joseph are betrothed. Scholars tell us that there is a second stage of betrothal outside of the initial one, which is the parents agree. Typically, the, the, the fathers, uh, the, 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 excuse me, the husband's parents are looking for his spouse. After that is agreed upon, the second stage of betrothal involves official arrangements and a prenuptial agreement before witnesses, which was a legally binding contract and could be broken only by a formal process of divorce. So betrothal in our time, and in the time of, in this time I should say, of Mary and Joseph is serious and can only be broken by a certificate, by the process of divorce. Now the third stage, of course, of betrothal is the actual wedding that had not happened yet. So when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before the wedding, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Wow. Pregnancy out of wedlock. That's what we have here. Pregnancy out of wedlock. We won't read this passage, but last year we walked through Luke chapter 1 and Kent alluded to it, quoted from it. Mary has already been visited by the angel Gabriel. She knows what's going to happen. She doesn't know when, though. She doesn't actually know when it will happen. Is it before their wedding? Is it after? Well, it's obvious now. It's before. It's obvious now that while she is still betrothed to Joseph, she's missed her, period. And maybe missed another one. And it's obvious to her she's pregnant. Now, our, our modern habit of cohabitation that is living together before marriage is, was unheard of in biblical times. It was really even unheard of 50 years ago in our country, but unheard of back then. So there's, there's no chance that Joseph and Mary have gotten even remotely that close to each other. She knows the reason, and she confides in Joseph. 
We don't know the conversation. We don't know the tears, perhaps. We don't know the look on his face when she told him, I'm pregnant. And it's by God, the Holy Spirit. But I think it's safe to presume something of that conversation happened. It is obvious to Joseph because of what we read next. But man, I want us to imagine for a little bit. I want to walk in Joseph's shoes or or sandals, so to speak. Your soon-to-be wife has just told you an angel has explained to her why she's pregnant. It is God that has got her pregnant. Now, you've heard some tall tales. You've heard stories. This is the story of stories. You, no doubt she's crying, no doubt the emotion is there. He's reading her, but he has to be wondering, wouldn't you and I? What do I make of this? Is she telling the truth? How can this be? We're not even married yet. And as most men are, we think of what do we do next? And what are the consequences? Well, since betrothal is, is a contract, it is, it is just before the marriage covenant, the only way out of this is divorce. And that would be the easy way out. If word gets out, Mary could be stoned to death. That's biblical. That's Deuteronomy. That has to be going through Joseph's mind at this very moment. Do do I tell the council? Do I go to the synagogue? What do I do? What do I do? This is a curveball. This is... This isn't, this isn't I-29 on a straight road all the way down to Sioux Falls. This feels like he ended up in Hawaii, Alaska, another world. What does Joseph do? Well, let's see what he's thinking. Because we don't know what he does. We just know his character. We don't get to have a we don't have the privy of his, his thought process fully, but we get to see his character and, and, and his Conclusion here in verse 19. And her husband Joseph being, notice these words, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So Joseph hears Mary's account. They part ways. And he begins that thinking process, that praying process. He was a just man, is what Matthew tells us by first-hand account from the apostles and from probably Mary herself. My husband was a just man. That means he was a righteous man. It's the same language used of Noah and Abraham. He was a man who feared God and obeyed his commandments. Joseph was a man of above, he was above approach, above approach. There, There was no scandal with Joseph. He was a godly man and everybody knew it. So we have that, we have that part of his character. He's a just man and he's a merciful man. Because notice, what Matthew reveals to us, he was unwilling to put her to shame. He could have gone public. He could have gone nuclear. He could have killed Mary. He could have publicly divorced her. But he was unwilling to put her to shame. He was merciful. He was kind. Joseph was godly. Joseph was kind. He was a man worth marrying. Mary knew this. They grew up in Nazareth, a small village at that. They knew each other. 
They were excited when their parents had that first conversation and word got around and they began to talk a little more earnestly on the side when, when Joseph wasn't you know, working with his dad in the carpentry shop. She knew he was, he was a just man. He would be a great father. Two, he was kind. So he doesn't go nuclear and demand that she be stoned as Deuteronomy would allow him to do. Two, he doesn't ask for this to be brought to the public and, and therefore kind of the, the big court case, if you will. But he invokes um, uh, Deuteronomy 24.1, which says he can, he can bring a certificate of divorce and in front of two witnesses, quietly divorce Mary. It saves her life, literally, and her future, and it saves her family. I mean, imagine in a small little town of hundreds of people, if this went viral, destroys everything. Both families, really, especially though, Mary. Joseph is just. Joseph is merciful. So he resolves. And here, here we, we have to imagine behind this is a careful consideration, is the idea here of that, that verb. He has been working on this. He probably has not slept much. You can imagine him, as many, as many of us do, when we're working with our hands, what's our mind doing? It is, it is churning over and over what we're thinking. This has been on his every thought, every waking moment, whatever he's working on, whether setting, setting something on the, on, the, on the anvil, he's a carpenter, excuse me, whether he's sewing something, or whether, whether he's, he's setting up a frame or whatever he's doing, this has been on his mind day and, day night, day and night. And so he resolves to divorce her quietly must have been the hardest decision of Joseph's life. And he finally sleeps. And thankfully, God doesn't. Look at verse 20. But as he, that is Joseph, considered these things, divorcing her quietly, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Notice the opening greeting in his dream from the angel of the Lord. Joseph bar David. Now, David's not his father's name. No, no, this is, this is King David. Joseph descended from King David. Well, there's, there's Joseph's first clue. Well, first is the angel, of course. <laughs> Whoa. Okay, right? Angels don't show up in every day. You know, it's this time of year we think angels just pop up all over the scriptures. Yeah, no, they don't. It is extremely rare, and you pay attention because, well, it's an angel. It's an otherworldly being, and they're kind of scary. In fact, in the Old Testament, we see men you know, bowing down to the angels, and what do they always say? Get up, I'm not God. And don't be afraid. Well, it's a dream, <clears throat> and, and so Joseph's seeing this angel, and the angel says, Joseph, son of David. So immediately, we know he knows this is far bigger than anything I've ever thought of. Every Jew reveres David. Every Faithful Jew knows there is still a, a covenant promise that has not been fulfilled, that the son of David would be on the throne forever. 
We don't know how much of that is, is kind of, you know, computing in, in Joseph's, you know, brain as he's dreaming, but he certainly processes it when he gets up. Nevertheless, Joseph, son of David, descendant of David, the greatest king of Israel, do not fear. Wow. Do not fear. Do not fear means Joseph has nothing to fear. I mean, it's a command. It's, the, it's in the imperative. Don't you fear. But it is also a promise, isn't it? You've got nothing to fear, Joseph. I mean, I've sent an angel to you. That's your first sign. I'm up to something. Don't worry. So do not fear to take Mary as your wife. So he had previously decided, I'm not going, I don't want this woman I love to be stoned to death. Two, I don't want to destroy her life with a public divorce. I will do it quietly. But the angel says, don't fear. Take her as your wife. It's okay. It is okay. Why? Notice, faith is not blind, friends. Faith requires evidence. We may not see it with human eyes all the time what is going on, but, but the angel gives, gives him some ammo here. I'm going to cough. So why? For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And you have to wonder if he emphasized that. In other words, you have to wonder if that is what Mary told him. But we can't blame him because it would just be inconceivable. How, how, I mean, Mary herself asks the angel Gabriel, how is that possible? Like, I, you know, mom told me about the birds and the bees. I don't know how that works. And Gabriel tells it, it's the spirit, the spirit of God will rest upon you and do this. So Joseph needed to hear these words too. <clears throat> don't worry, Mary hasn't been sleeping around. She's been utterly faithful to you and she'll be faithful to me. I'm the one who is conceiving in her womb. Oh, <clears throat> I do not enjoy sinus infections. All right. <clears throat> so, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, Joseph. Do not fear. Take her, take Mary as your wife. And then he goes on. Doesn't have to, but he does. She will bear a son. So, Yes, your betrothed is pregnant. Yes, God is responsible for that pregnancy, literally, intimately, and you're going to have a son. Now, that is, that's great news to any man in Israel. You, you want that first child, of course, to be a son because they carry on your name. They can carry on your property to the next generation. And they, they can labor with you and apprentice with you in your trade. They love daughters, but, but a son is even more important, especially in that age. In the patriarchal society, it is not bad or wrong, just different. And he's excited. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Yeshua, very close to what we would say Joshua. Why? Because his name will be his purpose, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus, the very name, means God saves will be doing 
will be born to do just that, save his people from their sins. So it's okay, marry her. She's pregnant by God's design, my design. <clears throat> and you will have a son and he, his name will be Jesus because he's gonna save God's people from their sins. He's the fulfillment of the prophecy to David. He's what Jews have been waiting for for hundreds, for thousands of years. Wow. Now, Matthew wants to make sure we, we pick up on this. That's, it's his editorial comment there. You see there in the parentheses, which means God with us. Uh, I'm sorry, back up. Verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So this Jesus is not merely a man born in time to save his people, which could, was probably what Joseph was thinking. I mean, God's going to conceive this child, but he's going to be a man, just, just, just kind of a unique man in that sense. But no, no, no. He, he's not just man. He is also God. God with us. And so Christians throughout the centuries have affirmed, throughout the millennia, have affirmed what the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed summarize of the teaching of the New Testament, which is Jesus is very God of very God, begotten or born, but not made, eternally existent as God, fully God, fully man, brought together in the incarnation, the greatest miracle outside of the resurrection in all of history. Friends, this is critical, by the way. This is what it means to be a Christian. If you remove the, the, the humanity or the deity, you lose Jesus. You become a Mormon or Jehovah's Witness or a oneness Pentecostal. And there are other uh, kind of Christian, but no, not really. If you lose who Jesus is, then, then who do you have faith in? You have faith in something else, but not in who he really truly is. And this is what Matthew reminds us of. Emmanuel, God with us. Taken from the prophet Isaiah 600 years prior. Wow, what a dream. What a dream. Can you imagine men waking up after that? Lying on probably a mat, just looking up going, oh, wow. Wow. But we see that Joseph is a man of faith because faith gives fruit to obedience. So, verse 24, when Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. We don't know what that marriage ceremony was like. We don't know how quick it was. Could have been a shotgun wedding? Probably not. But it was nevertheless a wedding. She was showing at some level, or at least aware of it, and they got married. <clears throat> what a wedding it must have been. What a wedding it must have been between those two. <clears throat> Joseph makes one more decision I want to point out here. Uh, that we might not even notice. We might just pass it over without realizing it. Notice um, what it says in verse 25. So yes, he takes his uh, beloved Mary as his wife. They, they, they moved through the third part of their betrothal into the actual marriage. But he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. That's, that's biblical language for they did not 
consummate their marriage. There was no act of marriage. They did not have sex. This was not required, according to the angel Gabriel, uh, either in his talk with Joseph or in Mary. But it seems this is part of Joseph's leadership for his family. They must have discussed it. Mary, I think we should wait until after Jesus is born. I think we should make that sacrifice. Though we would be right to enjoy the gift of marriage, for we've waited, we've been faithful. Let's don't. Now, why? We don't don't know, but I think it's probably obvious. Why? So there could be no hint of doubt as to who the father of the child was. God. Pretty incredible when you think about it. Quite a sacrifice that he led he and his wife to make for the cause of the gospel. Now, the Roman Catholic Church changes this verse to mean more than it obviously reads they, uh, they believe that, that Mary remains a virgin perpetually. We have no evidence of that in the New Testament. Uh, it's clear here. They wait until Jesus is born. And we know from Matthew's account and other gospel accounts, Jesus has siblings. So there's no reason for Mary to be a perpetual virgin <clears throat> other than to develop a doctrine that doesn't matter, a belief that's not biblical. But I, I digress. Joseph obediently marries his wife, abstains from sex until She gives birth, and he obeys. He names the baby Jesus. God saves. Friends, Joseph had the information he needed to believe and obey, and he does. His journey of faith was not easy. I cannot imagine, none of us can really imagine the life of Mary or Joseph, for that matter. The scandal of the incarnation, and yet they walked by faith. Joseph obeys, takes her as a wife. We've said that several times over, but it's worth noting. It's faith in action. It's simple. Joseph becomes then, therefore, the provider and the protector of Jesus. We don't know much else about Joseph. We don't need to. We see a man of character, a man of kindness, and a man of faith. He was a careful man. He did not divorce her quickly. And because of God's revelation to him, he married her obediently. When God threw him the biggest curveball in history, or one of them for sure, he walked by faith. He protected his Mary by marrying her. He protected his family by providing for them as a carpenter. He raised Jesus into adulthood. We see evidence in Luke that They were faithful synagogue attenders and that they went even beyond that to go to the temple. Joseph was a godly man and husband. William Cowper wrote one of my favorite hymns. Uh, The opening verse and what is now the title of it goes like this. God moves in mysterious ways. Does he not? God moves in mysterious ways. And I thought about quoting it at length, but I'll just summarize it and say it this way. The point of the hymn is God does move in mysterious ways. What we see as a straight path for our life will never be that. There are curves, there are car wrecks, there are mountains of joy and valleys of almost despair. But the point is God is still moving. 
God is good. God can be trusted. And he gives us the grace to walk by faith throughout whatever he throws our way. It is my prayer this season of Advent that you and I will both walk by faith. And if today this is your first step in faith in saying, I'm a sinner, Jesus, save me. And please talk with myself or Pastor Kent after service. Let's pray. Lord God, Father God, we, we do acknowledge you move in mysterious ways. In our eyes, with our vision, humanly speaking, without faith, it can be extremely discouraging. If we're honest, we really want an easy life and our culture prepares us for that, the American dream. And yet, as Christians, we know that our first citizenship is in heaven with you and that you never promised an easy life. In fact, you promised suffering for all who will follow after the one who suffered on the cross. Equip us this Advent season, Holy Spirit, through the truth of the word, to have faith, whether for the first time or for the millionth time, to continue walking, knowing that not only are we holding your hand, but that you are holding our hand, and that is far more important a truth than any of our doubts or discouragements. Equip us through your word to also share what we have learned with others around us who are lost. Use us this Advent season to be a light for the gospel. And we pray all these things and give you all the glory for it. In your name, Jesus, amen.